Hey everyone, welcome to Elevate Retake. Glad you're in the studio with us. You were probably expecting to hear Kelvin's voice, but it is yours truly, Michael, back in the studio hosting today's episode of Elevate Retake. And I'm joined by some really cool friends of mine. Uh, you'll get to know them here in a second. We just finished up a weekend of uh, exploration into scripture. We call that infinite hope. And it's a picture of hope through the themes of scripture that bring us closer to Jesus. And we're going to reflect a little bit on that weekend, things that we talked about, uh, what we heard, the themes and all that. So we're excited to unpack that. So uh, let's go around the circle and uh, go to my right. You want to introduce yourself? Tell sure. us who you are. Yeah. My name is Jonathan Coker and I'm the creative director for Elevate. Uh, what else do I need to say about myself, Michael? Is that um, enough? Or? Yeah, that's good for now. All right. Next. I'm April Chisholm Snyder, and I'm pastor of discipleship here at Keene. What? What? Glad you're in the room. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> and the three of us are sitting together, but we have one person that's with us digitally. Would you introduce oh, yourself, sir? I was going to ask when it was my turn, so that's helpful. Um, <laughs> I am Johnny Wolzinski, um, and... Oh, I am a youth pastor at Richardson, which is like a little hat on top of Dallas. <laughs> it is kind of a little hat. And you oh, have a sense. baby in the room. That makes sense. And Jace yep. is in your studio with you, right? Jace is here. So if you hear um, uh, an additional voice, it is not mine. It is, in fact, a three-month-old baby's. <laughs> Very cool. Training him up while he's young. So the question that we ask every guest on the podcast, and I'm going to put Johnny on the spot first. We'll go reverse order. Johnny, can you uh, let us know or reflect on what makes you who you are? That is such an easy question to answer on the spot. Um, yeah, that's why we put it out like that. So that's constantly changing for me. Um, I'm constantly challenging what is the most important thing to be doing right now. And I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I'm learning to, to actually celebrate the moment. And even just being here in this podcast, I'm already trying to be like, no, it's not, not things that are later today that I need to work on. Just being here is, is where I need to be. And uh, that's enough. I mm, appreciate that. April, what makes you who you are? Um, I, I don't want to say I often get this question wrong. I'm also a recovering perfectionist. I believe what makes me who I am is what God says about me. I don't, I, I try to believe that. I try to believe that's, it's what God says about me. And it's what I believe mm. God says about me mm. is what makes me who I am. Mm. Sometimes they do not align. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I don't want to go next. That was a good answer. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what makes me who I am? Mm -hmm. So who I am is, let's see top tier who am i there's a lot of ways of answering that question i'm a teacher i'm a this i'm a that uh i'll go with child of god mm. so what makes me a child of god is uh yeah i would lean back on april's answer like that was really good i, I actually thought you were saying that you're top tier and that's what makes you <laughs> 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 I, I like too. that too I was like, oh. well, that's great i mean i would oh, agree well, <laughs> someone needs to pop okay. your ego <laughs> those confidence though. I, I want it. that I love it I, I, think... I like how no one shot him down for that either. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think for me what is subsuming a lot of my time right now and has become a part of who I am and will for the rest of my life is uh being a dad 
and our baby has not come yet, but uh, I'm in that. Both Mel and I are in that kind of like preparation mode where we're like cleaning things five times in a row and like organizing and reorganizing. And I think they call it nesting. Johnny, I don't know if you and Steph went through your nesting phase, but we've started our like nesting phase. So, yeah. Yeah, now I'm now I'm happy if I clean once a month. (laughs) (laughs) So infinite hope. I think we had a great time together. I it was it was stressful up until the moment, but then I think we all kind of like took a took a breath and did our thing and I really enjoyed the the vibe. I really enjoyed the energy. I enjoyed all of the speaking and the music. I really enjoyed. And I thoroughly enjoyed um, the interviews as well. So I think we all came together and talked about chasing wisdom and about relationships and not about knowledge, so mm. to speak, as mm. people would come away thinking if it we're talking about wisdom yeah i really loved how everything came together so like we we were having these meetings the four of us what how long ago was it that we were at starbucks trying to decide months ago right yeah and we decided on a theme and then we picked like specifically what would be talked about for each particular homily and even though we knew what uh the direction was you never really know how it's all going to come together and i thought it was really beautiful it was it was really um it was really interesting to see how because like last time we were in the beatitudes and so i'm expecting to see a lot of this symmetry and this uh balance between you know things are gonna riff off of each other because it's all we're using the same text yeah yeah but we're all over the bible in this one Mm -hmm. you know like we are Mm -hmm. literally all over and it's really cool to see how even hundreds uh or or over uh, many many hundreds of years from one text to the next, it's mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. it's still saying the same things at the foundational level, yeah. like that thing that we found about uh, how it, it's it's not about certainty, mm-hmm. and we all find that found that in in each one of our particular areas. I thought yeah. that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool to see the spirit work <laughs> over over time in our lives and in time in scripture, mm. and to think about putting the wisdom literature in Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, together with the Genesis 1 through 6 narrative, Mm. and five of us studying that independently and having kind of our own little space, and then to see the golden thread of of God's wisdom being woven through that uh, is is pretty special. It's kind of analogous to like if we had Abraham or Moses talk to John the Baptist. You know, there there are years and years um, apart, but when when they're looking at scripture, when they're looking at God, they're describing him. They may use slightly different terminologies, but they're talking about the same God. So of course the words will reflect his character. And I love how this came together uh, in that way, like you guys are reflecting. And I also feel like I have to say, like, Jonathan, you had to you had to convince me that wisdom was a good topic. When, That's when you true. first said it, I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Terrible. I, I hated it. I was like, you know, that we had like a list. I don't remember how many options, but yeah. that one for me was absolutely bottom. If yeah. we were doing ranked choice voting, I would, I would put it 
<laughs> so, below the last stop. I forgot about can, that. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because I, I remember that, Johnny. We're sitting in Starbucks, and I felt like I was in the middle because Jonathan was over on one side of like, we got to do wisdom. And Johnny's like, that's horrible. What <laughs> what what puts you off on that, Johnny? Um, It just seemed boring. Um, mm. Ironically, after being teased out from the last week, I, I felt like it was a little static. I was like, wisdom, we know, we know wisdom. Like the, the stupid truism I always think of is like knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is not putting them in a smoothie. So I was like, we know about wisdom. We know about all these things. And so I, I especially on the heels of the Beatitudes, which is just like Jesus's magnum opus. And like yeah. he's there yeah. bearing his soul and talking about the kingdom life. And then it's like, let's talk about wisdom. I just I, it wasn't it wasn't doing it for me, I guess. Um, but I I and corrected. So I'm very grateful that, that uh, we ended up going that direction. Hmm. What made you so passionate about it, Jonathan? I, I want to, I wanted to understand wisdom. Like it, it just, it is this complicated thing that spans the whole work of the Bible. And I feel like it, I, I just needed to understand that particular thing better so I could understand other parts of the Bible that I was personally trying to work out at that moment in time um you know had to have a better answer for the question for why why life is the way that it is mm -hmm. you know or, or like mm -hmm. where, where we were going like what actually is the good life i think mm -hmm. is what led into that conversation for us like yeah what is a yeah. life lived well like because yeah. because if we're if we're christians and we're trying to follow all of god's advice what's the point of it if, if it doesn't always work out yeah if, if yeah. i'm gonna be hurt and harmed anyway like yeah 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 what are, why are we doing this yeah <clears throat> and yet we know there's a reason so like i just yeah. couldn't answer that question yeah and it seemed natural on the heels of what we talked about last year walking to the beatitudes and talking about what the kingdom of god is yeah that good life yeah and jesus lays it out pretty straight and he says this is what the good life looks like but we don't always see one for one comparisons between what the good life look like it looks like and what we actually experience particularly when we try really hard to implement the principles that jesus talked about mm. it doesn't always work out that way i was nervous though because like it's thematic right yeah, yeah. so like we, we we were just straight up like we marched through essentially you know like what eight or ten sentences for the last time and like this was just like mm -hmm. let's explore a theme and that's not something that i'm that's not my comfort zone at all. I would much yeah. rather be assigned a pericope and then like walk away. Well, that's interesting that you say that since it was your idea, but yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> like, I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm going to suggest it. Yeah. Well, like yeah. the wisdom literature just does not seem like, you know, there's a ba there's, there is a harmony, but they, it just doesn't seem like there is on first glance. Right. Yeah. So you look at Proverbs, you look at Ecclesiastes, and then you look at Job, and you're like, okay, but these things are like contradicting each other, mm -hmm. and but but we know like that can't be the case. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. And it, yeah, I, no. Go ahead, okay. Johnny. Uh, sorry, I can't see you, so like I can't tell when you're about to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just just the the language of of wisdom and the different ways it comes across just reminds me of like an orchestra. Like it, like yeah. who in their right mind would see a tuba and be like, you know, it would go really well, a drum, you know, individually, they don't really make sense, but whenever they all come together, it, they create this beautiful 
tapestry of sound that just mm-hmm. it, it forces you to look at reality in a different way. And I feel like that's what these different um, avenues of wisdom look like in scripture. It's it's just a different instrument. And Job's experience is drastically different than Solomon's, yet we can learn a lot from both. And I just love yeah. how yeah. how we kind of embodied that by having different speakers talk about different books of the Bible. Yeah. I like I like how you said that it's like it it changes the way we look at reality. Yeah. 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 I, and I think often our reality, at least it's how I kind of grew up studying the wisdom literature, is that we cherry pick the pieces that we like. Mm-hmm. And so and we'll have like, all those we'll convenient like, ones. Yeah, the proverb of the day. And you yeah. just pull that proverb out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even in Proverbs, there's contradictory statements. True. Yeah. That there's mm-hmm. there's the wise person and the fool, and they'll they'll both act in one way, and one's called the wise, one's called the fool, mm-hmm. and it'll flip around. And now the wise person has become the fool and the fool has become wise. True. And it, I, I've never been in a place or I've not done it myself or been in a place where it's been done, where you take Ecclesiastes as a whole, you take Proverbs as a whole, you take Psalms as a whole and, and see Job as a whole. What, what's the arc? Like what's the, what's the narrator trying to get towards and what's the intention behind the book and how do all these pieces fit in? Yeah, because you know when you're reading through the Old Testament that they don't take them uh, all like separately. They all build on each other, right? Correct. You know, you're expected to read through them over and over again to internalize them and see the harmony between all of them. I actually thought that, I mean, I don't know. I I saw, I thought we, we talked about this when we all got together because I feel like we were all feeling the desperate need for certainty not for us personally but i think mm. we all knew people we all had encounters with groups of people or ideologies that thrived off of certainty hmm. and i feel like that is where we all kind of came together and we're like maybe wisdom is a, a an appropriate topic i feel like i wrote that down somewhere because i do think it is important to I mean, every every person in scripture is kind of repeating the same song. Just it sounds a little different, but it mm-hmm. is the same lyrics, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of like seeing God, but not seeing God. And then having to trust mm-hmm. based off of their own experience and not trust in chariots and horsemen or in mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is of that day, you know. I think that did... Uh, as you're bringing that up, it's calling to mind the, for me, the place that I was in when we first started talking about our theme for this year, which we did Infant Hope in September of 2022. And I think we talked in like April, right? When we like picked everything. I really don't remember. It's all fuzzy now, but I just reflect over the the job change that I've had in yeah. the subsequent four or five months. And when we were talking about heading into this theme, I was in the middle of Valley of Decision and seeking some type of certainty mm. or a clear vision of like the saying. place that I needed to go. Yeah. And in my own reflection on that journey, w- I was like r- working really, really hard to understand it. Like, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? How can I navigate this? And what God was inviting me to do was trust. Yeah. It was kind of in, it, hidden in that question that we had in the beginning of like, how do you live a life? Well, it's like, well, just yeah. tell me like, what is the yeah. prescription so that I can just <laughs> follow the rules? I can know what I'm supposed to do and what not to do and then I want to have like a great life and man like the more you talk about like career choices like I, I, it's a, like I'm a high school teacher so it's all day long every day is like what school are you going to go to for college what what major are you going to pick and the like 
students want that certainty. They yeah. want that, like, this was the... God hasn't told me the exact direction that he wants me to go. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know that he's going to, like... If he's ever going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe life just does not work that way. Well, yeah. you know something else that we I don't think we we landed on at all, but I definitely heard while we were in the midst of Infinite Hope, like the event itself is when Jonathan brought up um and I don't remember the I don't remember the place or the time, but I do remember him saying that Sometimes we rely on knowledge and certainty because we don't, we want to control God or we actually want to be God. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is really important. That's an important um, facet of understanding wisdom. I don't think we often visit because I don't think we realize that. I mean, some of, sometimes we're like trying to control God. And we, we, if I think if we asked ourselves long enough, we would see it. But mm -hmm. I, when you said that, that was the first time that I was like, I, wow, that is, that is true. Yeah. Like maybe I'm reading the Bible so I can know enough that I don't need to have faith in God or don't need a God. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think, I think that's a thing for conservative Christians. I think we can put ourselves in that lot over the mm -hmm. ideological spectrum overall. Adventists yeah. fit there pretty easily. Yeah. We we want to know what the right thing is to believe, and like what's what's the impetus? Why do we want to know the right thing to believe? Is it because we're it's out of a place in our heart where we just want to know how to serve God best, or is it mm -hmm. like I just I want to know what all the things are so that I can finally control the mm -hmm. landscape, mm -hmm. and yeah. I can yeah. I'm no longer gonna go ahead, Johnny. No, I, I'm just ripping off what you're saying. It's like a corruption of the understanding that there is an absolute. Because if we have grasp on absolute truth, then we don't need the truth giver. And it's the same yeah. capacity that what our salvation is sourced from. If it's from doing all the right things, knowing all the right things, mm. worshiping on the right day, then we don't even need to know the God that created those things. Yeah, I, I think we can believe yeah. in an absolute truth, but like we're never as humans going to be able to access all of it. Yeah. Right. Because if yeah. you could, that'd mean you'd know everything. You'd be God. You would. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the trap that the... Uh, religious leaders at the time found themselves yep. in, and when when Jesus addresses the religious leaders, he'll he tells them in in the Gospel of John, he says, "You're searching scriptures because in the scriptures you think that there's eternal life." Mm. Mm -hmm. And so often we go to the book of like, if I just do what the Bible says at face value, and I take all the principles and I just apply them, I'm going to have life because of that. And so mm -hmm. I set up the hedge of protection around me. That um, in our faith tradition, the running joke is that you can't go swimming on Saturday, uh, or you wade into a particular level and not above the knee, the, right? Not above and the it knee. It becomes it becomes swimming. Some places, his ankles. So, if it's above the knee, then it's too much swimming. fun. How too dare much fun. You have fun. That's <laughs> it. I and, saw you smiling on the Sabbath, you sinner. <laughs> and we set up these hedges of protections, and the 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 Jewish faith got to a point where they there was four hundred years where they hadn't heard from God directly. And they wanted to make sure that they mm. upheld the instruction that had been given before. And they began to write these commentaries on scripture called the Mishnah and the Talmud. Mm -hmm. And both of those, there, there was just laws that went into interpreting what God had said. And so if God had said something, then we don't even want to approach that. And so 
you can't work on the Sabbath. Okay. So work on the Sabbath looks like walking more than a quarter of a mile. Yeah. So we're going to don't walk more than a quarter of a mile on Sabbath. But if you bury a lunch the day before, you're not working or you have a, a rest and it just, it gets crazy. And so what they attempted to do was to set up this knowledge that if they could maintain this knowledge sphere, then they would be okay. They could be absolutely certain that they had not broken any law Correct, and they they can control the situation, and there's then there's no need for faith. Yeah. Like I think that was the biggest thing that kind of startled me from from studying wisdom was like, oh wow, faith is so super important to all of this. It's instrumental. Like you don't get wisdom without faith. Uh oh, did we lose Johnny? Yep. Hopefully he comes back. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, faith without it, like you just you end up making yourself your own God. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I want to bounce off what Michael said because I think he was going down a really, um, like a good path. You know, if you look historically, the, the Jewish nation endured a lot of things that felt out of their control. Mm. And mm. to yeah. set up a foundation of knowledge to where they could control the narrative is ah. is is important to protect themselves from being vulnerable again yeah and also helps us understand why they were so desperate to free themselves of roman oppression in mm. their minds because they were like you know we have all this knowledge and we have all this power we need to be able to control and we're waiting on this messiah to give us finally the control that we need and you see yeah. that kind of th like even if it's innocent like um, I know Alexei, one of our speakers, talked about um, Eve and Eve's desire to like have something that was kind of not within her grasp and mm -hmm. to just just a little bit more empower, just a little bit more control so that I could see more than what I'm seeing right now. Mm -hmm. And Job innocently asking God all of these things because he wanted, he had no control over his life anymore. Mm -hmm. He was at the mercy of the elements and of the circumstances around him. And so we all, like those people, desire, whether it's we are a nation that's been oppressed and, you know, or been, you know, we've had all of these things out of our control happen to us, whether it's family related or whether it's just our own desire to be better and to just, just rise above our station or just feel like we have something. We all desire to have certainty mm -hmm. and a little bit more than what we have. And I think that's, that's so it, it deserves to be seen so that we, we are aware of our tendency to do that. But I think maybe we can do that even with, laws that are true like okay so sometimes we look at like the jews and we're like well they made up a whole bunch of laws with the mission of the talmud right so like but we're not doing that it's but but you you can you can make a law of god your god you know yeah, because you also desire control and uniformity that's what it is. so it's like yeah. just because you're over here and you're like well i'm a sabbath keeper or whatever like well what's the impetus where's yeah. why what's the desire for oh that goes back to the beatitudes and there was, there's somebody emailed me this week, uh, and it was actually a good email. It was one of those. Oh, that's, those ones. are always good. nice. Yeah. And this person oh. was, uh, <laughs> <Johnny>. <laughs> was reflecting on something that they had heard um, during one of our Bible study classes on Saturday morning. Uh, and the, the, a person was commenting in line with this. I don't know if Infinite Hope influenced it or not. Um, it just is. And they quoted this person saying, 
do I resent the God I created? Mm. And he says, it's bothered me this past week. Um, is it possible? Is the God in the Bible really who I think he is merely based on my own biases? And he then goes on to reflect, uh, somebody made a comment that we criticize people for doing things that we don't allow ourselves to do and are jealous that we can't do it, which seemed to intertwine into the first thought uh, mm -hmm. about resenting the God that we created. And so we get to this point where we've gone down the control path for so long that our parameters and our knowledge has become God. Mm -hmm. And we get to the point that we resent that God because it hasn't brought us the freedom that it promised. And that goes back to the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil didn't afford Adam and Eve the freedom that they believed that when the serpent lied to them and said, you're going you're gonna to be like God, you're going to have the freedom. When in fact, it was the complete opposite. And it enslaved them and it subsequently enslaved the rest of humanity. Yeah. And it's it, this this certainty, though, is also what keeps you from being able to like change your beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Or to add to, so like we believe in progressive truth, that like you can't know everything there is to know about God. So over time, you're learning more things you should be adding on to what you believe. But like, you, you can't, you, you, there's no room for growth if you're, if you're absolutely certain about everything. Yeah. Like I gotta be, I gotta be a little bit uncertain so that I'm willing to like, I gotta have faith. Like I'm not entirely sure here. I'll be vulnerable. I'm not entirely sure. I know exactly how the Sabbath works hmm. and I'm an Adventist and I believe in it. Like I'm, I, I'm Sabbath keeper. Love yeah. it. However, what are we like you tell me, Michael, Mr. Lead Pastor, what are we supposed to tell the people that live in like Alaska? Yeah. Where like the sun is not setting for like, oof, like now yeah. we're in an area where it's like, I don't understand everything. And I'm just, I'm just going to have to have faith in God. Like yeah. he understands this better than I do. Yeah. And I'm going to have to just step out in good faith. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. That's not a full thought, but I'll, I'll jump on that one. No, jump. Um, literally they do that in Alaska with, you know, having to have the different time changes and, you know, sometimes the sun is there for pretty much the entire 24 hour cycle or not. So, at all. or not at all. Exactly. So, um, what, what people have done in the past, I don't know what is done now. So if someone from Alaska is listening, correct me, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. but in the past, I know what they've done is they've gone from six to six and they've just arbitrarily chosen a time that sounds good. Mm. and they yeah. honor those 24 hours because in the bible it says sunset to sunset right right um but that's not always doable so therein we are acknowledging within our within our faith tradition that it's more the spirit of what is being said than the literal thing there it is so yeah. if that's true then we need to allow sabbath to fit us rather than force ourselves to fit into this box that god mm -hmm. created to be expansive and open and like we're we're actually breaking the Sabbath by trying to keep it that way. It's it's very ironic. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I agree. Wow. And can we meddle in this a little bit more as we're talking about wisdom uh, and the Sabbath? Think about the context in which the Sabbath commandment is given in Exodus. And oh in, yes. In our in my experience, like Power. how yes. how do oftentimes in our faith tradition, oftentimes those who have a, a, a job, they're like lower level job in a trade or a grocery store, whatever, mm -hmm. are guilted into, um, you got to keep this, you got to quit your job. You got to stand up for mm -hmm. God. But when you look at the context of, of Exodus 20, when the Sabbath 
command is given, uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's given to the person of power. And so how often are we rebuking those in our, in our community who have a position of power and aren't allowing their employees to Sabbath? And is our church sanctioning them because of it? Cause I've heard many a story of the servant within the gate being sanctioned, but not the person who owns the gate. It's like a, it's like a rich, a very, very wealthy individual who has many servants, many maids and many household employees and takes lavish rest. However, that, that fits what their relationship with God looks like. And yet the people are still serving them. The people Mm -hmm. don't have the opportunity to spend time thinking about things that they like to think about or like, you know, taking a walk or doing anything else. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about my, my wife working in, in the, in medicine as a nurse, you can't just shut down hospitals one day a week because humans are going to be humans and people are going to get sick. Mm -hmm. And you bet I want someone there taking care of my dad, my mom, my grandfather, grandfather, whoever, when, when it's necessary. Not, can you just put your stroke on pause real quick? We got to wait till Mm. sundown Saturday night, then we can take you to the hospital. Um, And so it, it just begins to, it reminds me at least that there's more nuance to our approach to faith and relationship with God than just a cut and dry, don't do this and do that. Yeah, but what a burden we place on the person that's like, that does not have the money and we're we're telling them you know you need to go out here and you need to have all this faith and it's like this is not an equitable yeah. uh, uh, application of this law like yeah. what what's risked like oh, like even when we talk about tithe ah oh, someone's gonna write an email about this one but like you know ten percent for me is not the same as ten percent for someone that's making you know I don't know say half a million dollars a year do you like does that change your lifestyle at all? Mm. It doesn't, you, whereas like someone that's making $20,000 a year, um, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the that's difference huge. between you surviving or not. Like we're, I don't know, there's, yeah. there's more wisdom has got to be applied and we've got to understand that there's a, uh, deliberative process and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Anyway, anyway. I agree. I think when we get to the place where we see each other, you know, we actually see each other. And someone who has a lot to spare is in a life-giving relationship with God and can see how others are suffering and everybody is in, in tandem with each other. Then we can lift each other up and, and someone can, you know, maybe meet the convictions of their heart without, you know, dying because the other person is 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 blessing them with their resources. But Mm -hmm. we haven't reached the point where we're all kind of living in islands still. And, uh, well, our, our society, at least in North America, the United States is a very individualistic society, Mm -hmm. but it's odd because it's both individualistic and it's, and it's community too. Uh, it's just decentralized the, the need for reliance on the people immediately around you. You're now relying on systems established so like you can make it on your own for instance we're not all growing gardens in our backyard so that we can eat um growing particular type of grains so we can make clothes etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're just going to the store and buying and we've removed the 
the the locus of our support from our immediate community to this kind of global infrastructure and i think that move has decentralized our understanding of a community's relationship with god Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. i no longer have a personal responsibility that jonathan know god and understand god and we we walk together you can just go to church Where I can just hold the other the the other person. So this is answering a question that it wasn't able to ask or, or articulate uh, artfully. But I can just hold the other person accountable for their individual. Say the person that's on the poverty line and say, "Well, this is what God calls of you." But then, where's my responsibility as the person that has the extra resources to help make sure that this person gets to a position where they are able to take care of meet all of their needs? Like mm-hmm. we we just left it all in the individual, and we forgot like maybe the reason that we're asking for tithe from from our spiritual community is so that we can all uplift and help and support each other, mm-hmm. and that didn't get that that didn't get done. We just left it all as a burden on each other individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, this is this is the danger of seeking out like certainty because certainty is nothing other than self-preservation mm-hmm. it's nuts it's just another form of April. like protecting <laughs> oneself looking out for oneself because yeah. to control the narrative You're i mean right. it has nothing to do with like man now i want to understand i'm sorry i'm interrupting you but now yeah, i want to know if this certainty thing is like something in all parts of the world i like culturally mm. i wonder if we're even oh goodness yeah, like how far do the ripples go? Yes, this is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, the onion layers are being peeled back. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, Please no, I was done. Oh. I was just basing that off of um the really good analogy that that Michael was 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 sharing hmm. about how we have basically we have everything is being provided for us and so now we don't really have to provide for each other we're not leaning on each other anymore and then as long as you have access to the currency of the economy Mm -hmm. then you can survive Mm -hmm. and so think about that applied to the gospel and what we do in in ministry if you're able to talk the appropriate language have the appropriate understanding so if you look at the in a lot of ways when you get into the more philosophical world or the theological world currency moves from a time stored in money to time stored in ideas and if you can navigate that community with the appropriate ideas because the ideas are the currency of the community when you come in with an idea that looks different it's the same as getting a uh, brazilian hail and bringing it to the states and trying to to pay at the grocery store with that idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, that doesn't work. And it's not that that doesn't have any value, it doesn't have any value there. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in order to accept the value of that e- idea, the system needs to be reorchestrated. I don't know if that made sense, but it that's does. like it what, does. What with my mind. Yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna prattle around in my mind now for the next week. Mm. Thank you guys. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so fruitful. <laughs> Dad gum. This is like so. Like when we were uh, one one project years ago, and the whole thing about abundance. Mm-hmm. That's what this the certainty mm-hmm. thing is doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's certainty it's, pushes you towards thinking that everything is scarce. Yes, because like you say, certainty is, is self self preservation, self protection. Mm-hmm. But trust enables you to look through the eyes of abundance. Mm. But there's enough. I have five loaves and two fish. But like Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. Break, bless, and give. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think Jesus was certain that it would multiply? I think he had. I mean, he definitely acted on faith. Um, right. He didn't do it of his own power. No. Yeah. It was so the Father. No, it had it to have faith. been. Yeah. yeah. Well, meaning, did he know Jesus was going to multiply it to feed everyone, or was it more like I just trust God is going to do something because something needs to happen? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, did he engineer the outcome? Did I think it was, was more the latter. I think it was more the latter, obviously. And I think when, like, he had to have, he has to know. I think he was aware that a situation would arise to provide the illustration for what he needed to, what, what need. I, I, I think he was aware hmm. of the situation as it was coming. Just like when he met Mary Magdalene, he was aware, like he went and prayed in the morning he came down at sunrise, like he 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 hit the temple at sunrise where everybody was waiting. Mm-hmm. And the moment he began to speak, the lady, I mean, the adulteress was brought out. And I think he was aware. He, I mean, he was there so early. It just, I feel like he was just walking with God, and he knew he needed yeah, to be in a place and a time. So well. Yeah, I just, I I don't think he had a certainty aspect, but I think he had enough insight to be like i need to be here at this time and place because the illustration because this af- his first words after um his first words after that were i am the light of the world and i <laughs> i am the one that provides all of this insight and all of the things that you need i mean the whole illustration to everything he would share later on in that chapter fell right into his lap he just stood there and and all the crowd was there when she was thrown in because I mean, that's the Bible says that he came there and, and I feel like that was the same setup for um, the five loaves and two fish. Yeah. He, he knew that they were going to get fed and he knew that he was asking the disciples to do something that was impossible. The whole setup was just like, it feels like it was to show them Mm -hmm. like, I know what I'm asking you to do is beyond your ability so that you will actually come and ask me for help. But I also right. think in the same time that if you were to ask him, I, don't, I know it sounds weird, but if you were to ask him, he would say, I didn't know. Like, I was just following with what God, you know what I'm saying? I sense that there is a sense of, like, insight to, like, something is going to happen. Yeah. But also know. faith. I, I think it comes back to the object of our certainty. Mm-hmm. And if we're placing, mm-hmm. if we're placing certainty on ideas and a certain set of knowledge, then that's faulty. But if we're placing our, our our certainty in the hands of God, it turns into trust. Yeah. And so to Johnny's question, I don't know if Jesus knew for a fact that we're going to end up with 12 loaves at the end and whatnot, but he was certain that God was going to do something. Yeah. Well, like he, he and God were so think, tight that he had to trust. I think he can be certain that that the, the, the bread and fish were going to multiply because yeah. he, because of who he knew, like... Yeah. It it wasn't it wasn't uh it's like the, the the way that we're using the word for certainty is for for us is like knowing without without room for or without uh without any uh nebulousness or mystery, right? Mm. Like like he's God, like I don't well, know. I mean to 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 say what like to bounce off what Michael said, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they were about to be thrown in the furnace they had no certainty that they would walk out of that alive. True. But they said the certainty lies that God is God. 
mm-hmm. and that he deserves this worship and we're not going to bow. And he could save us if he wanted to. We are certain of that. Mm-hmm. But we aren't certain we're going to come out, but that's not the point. Yeah. The point isn't like what the outcome is. Yeah. The point is, is that he could do it if he wanted to. Yeah. And so that's the same certainty that Abraham had that God could raise Isaac from the dead. That's what he reasoned God could do it. But if he chooses to do it is whether or not. I think a lot of this comes back to the character of God. Yeah. And perhaps maybe needs to be the next place that we go with infinite hope. Just going to put my my straw in. Mm. But how like an exploration. (laughs) You probably don't like the idea already, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Should I shoot it down on the podcast? <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, to w- what's our understanding of God, and what's our understanding of His character? Because if we if we understand God's character, we can be like Moses on the top of of Mount Sinai when God's like, "All right, Moses, I'm done with the children of Israel. I'm going to start a new lineage through you. It's you and me, baby." And Moses is like, "Hold on." Like, I know your character and your character doesn't do that. And by the way, if you wipe out the children of Israel before you take them into the promised land, what witness is that and and what mark will that place on your character? Mm. And he's able to stand up to God and and call God out on his character. And so that how, applying that to our, our own lives, when how then do we act? How then do we know where to go? Well, what is the character of God? All good questions, right? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I kind of fell off a cliff there. But. Hebrews eleven. Mm-hmm. Hebrews eleven. I knew she was going to go to Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Honestly, though, the, to answer Johnny's question, I know that we just took such a huge detour. When Revelation speaks about that, we need to have the faith of Jesus. Those that these are they that kept the commandments and have the faith of Jesus. I, I believe it is a reference now. to Hebrews 11 because okay. he is the first fruit, but he is the ending, but he's the beginning. He answers all those questions. And that is the answer to whether or not Jesus knew for certain that God would do that. He, I don't think he did, but he had the, the faith of Jesus is that faith that's described in Hebrew, but through Hebrews, but through Jesus, it is perfected. So, so that that's a good, yeah, I love that. That that's very coherent. That makes sense. Um, but I can't help but think, as you're saying that, the logical conclusion then is that Jesus had agency in choosing how to ask the Father to bless that situation. Mm. If he didn't know for sure, then he had to have some inkling of how he expected God to intervene or to work on his behalf. So I wonder if that's kind of how we pray for miracles. Whenever we pray for God to intervene and do something. Uh, God has something. He could do it a million ways. We're talking about the God of abundance, right? Uh, and it's who we know, and we're using all that kind of language. But just like when Alexi was talking about sometimes he just wants to make us happy, sometimes he gives us tomatoes when we're hungry, and other times we're like Job, and we are crying out, crying out, and we just need to cover our own mouth and shut up. And so so herein lies the the beautiful mystery of wisdom that just continue to be talking about until i think actually not until jesus comes back i think through our experience in heaven as well trying to figure out how in the world in the midst of everything going on god can bless a person who is ostensibly not hungry with tomatoes and meanwhile somebody who an entire church has been praying for can die of cancer so so this is the this is the disconnect this is the Mm. challenge the very real dissonance that we have to face is that wisdom doesn't make sense at Mm -hmm. least that's that's how i take away with it yeah it's paradox 
There it is. Yeah. That's a good word. <laughs> I, I yep. or, or enigma. It's, it's, it's Hevel. <laughs> it's all Hevel. <laughs> it's all Hevel. Yeah. I actually, I, I think that's a really good place to land for this episode, Johnny. I, I think that's a really good kind of summation of our whole experience of that we came in not necessarily knowing where wisdom is going to take us. And we leave <laughs> not knowing where wisdom is going to take us. Uh, and there's there's so much more beyond what we can what we can feel with our hands or see with our eyes or hear with our ears that God is doing and is willing to do in our lives. And it comes back to trust in a person over certainty in, in knowledge or, or understanding. Jace, thanks for hanging out, letting your dad on the podcast today. Johnny, thank you for joining from home. April, glad you're here. Jonathan, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Uh, it's been fun to be in community and do Enjoy this. Enjoy the good moments while you can. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Enjoy the good moments while you can. That's nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate Retake. You know where to go for socials. You know where to go to find the episodes. I think Kelvin will be back next week. Um, uh, it's weird to get back in the saddle on this thing, so I don't know how to fully close it out other than to reiterate what Jonathan said. Enjoy the good while you can. 